With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, we're talking about your passion tonight. (laughs) As well as your passion. Yeah, yeah, it's our passion. I tell you what, I think uh, this is going to be a show that a lot of people I think they'll agree with us when we start talking about uh, the youth of today and how we communicate with them and how we've lost touch with trying to communicate with them. But, Brian, you know, it just seems like when you talk with an older person now about today's youth, the very first thing out of their mouth is something negative. Mm. Do you get that when you talk with with parents or, or people that uh, teachers that uh, used to teach and now they're retired, saying, I can't do anything with today's youth. Do you get that kind of response? Well, you know, it, it really depends. And like I said, it really depends on who you're talking to. You know, when you talk to um, maybe an older teacher, you may have a situation where that older teacher has understood how you communicate with youth. Or you may have an older teacher that never really was able to communicate with them without having the will you know, that iron fist, and so they may have a bitter experience. So it really depends on the experience that that person has had with you and the way that they've dealt with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Greg, I think it's so interesting, you know, that um, here it is now in the age of, uh, I like to say in the age of Barack. <laughs> you know, we're talking about the first, you know, African-American to ever be president, you know, uh, coming up pretty soon, we got 15 days. Everybody go out and vote. Vote early. Vote frequent. <laughs> but uh, you know, when you talk about this, you have this issue where uh, Mr. Obama has been able to effectively communicate to our younger generation and has been able to relate to them, and he's done it in a way that we've never seen in you know in the past. You know, and it's you know most people don't understand that there's a way that you talk to young people. Yeah. There's a way that you can connect with young people. And, you know, in my experience from working with youth, whether it be in a church setting or a home setting or, you know, a community center setting or wherever it may be, my experience has been that the way to communicate with youth youth, and our youth of today is to get them to communicate to you. You know, let them start talking. You know, let them ask questions. Because our youth today, they really want to know what's going on. They yes. really want to know, you know, how things work. You know, the the biggest thing that I've seen that has really, you know, kind of rubbed me the wrong way, Greg, is when I hear somebody say, stop asking so many questions. Mm-hmm. You know, and at times I find myself having to stop. If I'm, you know, if somebody's asking me a lot of questions, I'll say, listen, just listen, you know. I'll try not to say stop asking questions, you know, unless I just know that person is just asking the questions just to ask them. 
but I'll tell them to listen, pay attention. You'll get the answer you're looking for. Yeah, you know what? Well, we have someone in the chat room, and he and he's saying that uh, he needs to learn how to approach them, and and that's 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 awesome because Brian, when when you and I go out to the detention centers, or to the even and even going to the jails, there's a certain way that you have to approach today's youth. Absolutely. You can't come at them with the iron fist because they're going to come right back at you with the iron fist, mm-hmm. because their whole thing is. You don't understand me, and I don't understand you. I'm not going to allow you to get inside my head. That's that's the thing that the kids say. They they will not allow you to do that. You have to earn their respect. We think oh, absolutely. We, yeah, we think that we can go in there and just say anything to these kids, and they are just supposed to bow down and do what we say. No, we have to go in there and operate in love at all times, regardless, regardless of what these children have done. You still have to treat them like human beings, and you can't go in there judging them based on what they're wearing and how they look and the you know the language that they use. It takes time. These kids didn't get like this overnight, and you're not going to go in there thinking that you're going to change them overnight. And, Brian, you and I both know that, uh, I had a lawyer, uh, I told you about it, asked me, how in the world are you guys able to connect with these kids? Because we give them a voice. You and I, we've always done that. And mm-hmm. everywhere we've gone, the kids have been crazy about us, asking us to come back. And the staff there, they, they really can't understand it, even though most of the time they're sitting there with us. Right. You know, so it, it, it's a thing of we we go in respecting them right off of the bat. Right yes, the absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's one thing that I've always learned. It's about your behavior, not necessarily the behavior of the person, of the, chill, of the child that you're trying to talk to, but your behavior. And, you know, definition of behavior is any observable and measurable act. So anything that they can observe and measure, that constitutes a behavior. Mm-hmm. If, you're being, if you're being, quote, unquote, bad, they're going to look at you and say, look at his behavior. His behavior is not right, so why should I listen to him when he tells me not to do that? You know, I had an incident where um, a kid was swearing, and I said, boy, where you learn how to cuss like that? He said, my mama cuss. You know, and I'm like, wow. You know, so kids, kids learn these behaviors. And they they measure the behavior. If they're able to get away with it, they absolutely will. And you will never be able to tell them to not to do something that they see you do. That's right. You know, because they watch you. See, everything about children as they progress, they learn. So everything that they've become is part of a learned behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, it's part of a learned behavior. If you have a mannerable kid, it's because somebody taught him manners. He learned that being mannerable was an acquirable behavior. Mm-hmm. It was an observable and measurable act. And so when he grew older, he knew that this was an observable and measurable act that resulted in consequences. Mm-hmm. Right? And so when, once he had those consequences put in place, and these just happened to be good consequences, you know, then he was like, well, I'm going to continue this behavior that results in these good consequences, you know, and 
the one thing that we don't talk about when we talk about, you know, dealing with our youth are antecedents. And what are those? Those are any person, place, thing, or event coming before a behavior. And so that's the thing. That's really what's key. Kids watch you, and they want to know what's going on. If there is there's an event, you know, let's say our kids want to go somewhere and they want to have fun, let's say like a party or whatever, they're going to be on what kind of behavior? Their best behavior. Mm-hmm. before they go because then they get you know they know that it's something coming up they behave well the consequence is that they get to go and have fun mm-hmm. but far too often our kids are you know subjected to negative antecedents you know or these negative persons places or things negative people negative events things that happen to where their behavior turns around and it's not what's desirable and then we have the consequence of them being labeled as being bad kids or something bad happens or so forth. Mm-hmm. And it's because people are not able to relate to these children. They can't, they can't get down on their level without feeling like they're, been, you know, the, that they're just down in the dirt. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the sad part, you know, that they can't effectively communicate to the kids because they believe that, you know, bringing themselves down to the kids' level, meaning they have, is meaning that they have to bring themselves to a level, lower level of being, and that's not true. Right. So, Brian, we've touched on two points, pointers tonight. The first one is we have to know how to communicate with the youth, mm-hmm. and, and 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 I guess something that goes along with the communication, you must respect the child right mm-hmm. up front. Give him respect right up front. Yes. And and, and I'm not saying that you have to respect what they're doing. We're saying you have to respect them, let them know that I know that you have a voice. So every time I talk with you, I'm giving you a voice that you can talk back with me, and I'm not screaming at you, and I'm not going to allow you to scream at me. And I think that one of the most important things, Brian, is we need to take you out of the conversation when we're talking with our youth. Don't always you, you, you. Use their name. Say their name. Anytime that you're saying something to these children, say their name. That's Absolutely. a respect thing. And you're not always, don't always blame them for things. Because, you know, it may not be your child. It may be a, a kid in the classroom or somebody on your football team. And, Brian, you know we're definitely going to talk about the football team. Absolutely. And sports and how they're treated there. But in, in even in the mall, you know, you, you see people, older people, when they see these kids, they have a frown on their face. And, and the only thing that they want to say to these kids is they, they all want to tell them what to do. Well, you, you can't always come at them like that. This, no. is a, this is a whole different generation. This is a whole new time. When, you know, Brian, when we were growing up, uh, people could say, adults could pretty much say anything to you and you'll get in line. Or you see them coming, you, you'll straighten up. Not Absolutely. today's kids. They're, they're not like that. They're not like that. You can't say anything to these kids today because they're going to come back at you. That's just, oh, the world that we're, yeah, that's just the world that we're living in, and that's just how they are. And, Brian, I want to touch on something, and I also want to get your opinion on this election and, and how they're dealing with the youth. There are some things that have been said in this election that uh, a lot of people say is, is, is hate language being used. See, now, you probably could do that back in the 60s. You can't do that now. 
you, you, you know, you can't do that now. You know, it's funny because this election has brought out, and you have to remember, our children watch everything okay. we do. You know, the media has made it available, everything that adults do so available that our kids are starting to pick up these habits and behaviors like never before. Right. You know, and so, you know, this election in itself, just because of the parties that are involved in the election, has caused our children to awaken to a whole new level of consciousness, both positive and negative, you know. And, you know, we talk about these persons or places or things that prompt behaviors. You have these people that are talking about each other and they're saying certain things, you know, and some of them aren't exactly nice, you know, and they're running for president. They're running to lead this country and to lead the pretty much the new democracy of the free world, you know. I mean, being president of the United States is pretty much like saying you're president of the free world, mm-hmm. you know. And so the last thing you want to have happen is a president that's just completely negative, you know. And you see that coming from one side where everything has been said has been so negative. Everything has been so negative. And I'm not going to say which side is which, but, you know, from my perspective, I think that what they really need to do is take into account who's watching them when they say what they say and how they say certain things. Because kids are very impressionable. That's something that I've learned just by being around these children. You know, and Greg, you talk about football, man. You know, just being around football, I've learned so much about children. Mm -hmm. You know, because... What most people don't realize is when you have that kid on that field, that's the place where those kids release. They release their frustrations, their angers, their bitterness. Everything gets left on the field with those kids. When they're out there having fun, that's where they get, that's their place to vent. You know, and far too often, our children aren't allowed to vent. They aren't allowed to express themselves in ways that help them to relieve their stress. Because kids get stressed out, too. Especially nowadays, there are so many things that have been put upon our children's shoulders mm-hmm. that they have to bear that they get stressed out, too. And most adults don't take that into account. They just say, well, you got to push, you got to push, you got to push, you got to push, you know, because that's the way that they grew up. But you got to remember back in those days when you were younger, there weren't many options for you, right. you know. There weren't many options. If you didn't go get a good job, you had a bad job, but you got one. Mm-hmm. You know, if you didn't make a job, at, if you didn't become a banker, you became, you worked for the banker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, was, it wasn't that many diversified jobs, so everybody had something to do, you know, and it wasn't as many people. Nowadays, there's so many ways to make money, both good and bad, that our kids have tons of options. And far too often, they decide to opt out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's partly because someone told them that they could not do something. You know, Greg, how many times as a youth did you hear somebody say, you'll never be able to do that? All the time. I heard it all the time. And, you know, by the grace of God, I always say, it, we got lucky. 
because we didn't allow that to deter us. You know, I always say that if you made it past age 30, then you are a chosen few. If you were successful in anything that you've done, you were a chosen few because there's so many people who chose not to get that far. And, Brian, I don't know if you remember, when we went to the jail, uh, Brian and I, we went to the jail and we talked with uh, some inmates. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we used to do it all the time. And we were talking with some inmates, and that was the number one thing that the guys in jail said. Someone spoke some type of death or negativity in their lives, and it took root. They they accepted that uh what that uh, that person's opinion they accepted that person's opinion to become their outcome, and mm-hmm. that's why a lot of times it, you can trace things back to a lot of these guys that are in jail and prison and incarcerated. You can trace it back to their youth, to their childhood, and a lot of them Brian, have been mistreated, have been misabused, and uh, I mean it's just it, the list goes on and on, and I I, I believe Brian that the youth. Today's youth can teach. We can learn so much from today's youth on race issues. You don't see black and white issues like you used to see a long time ago. Everybody is together now. Mm-hmm. It's just the old timers that, on both sides, on the black side and on the white side, and on you know every other uh, race. It's the older ones that's getting in the getting in the way of the younger ones saying you don't do that. And and, and it's hard to tell them you can't uh, have a friend like this to come over. They're going to do it in school. And, Brian, I remember when when we were growing up, you you hear the cars, you hear certain type of music, you knew the race of the person. Nowadays, you don't know that. (laughs) You don't know that. You don't know who's listening to what. If they don't roll that window down, you can't say, well, that's a black guy. I see that. I saw it today. I see it all the time. You can't tell. And, Brian, a lot of the girls you see now, a lot of the women you know, or the young girls, you see you if, just by looking at them, you don't know what their race is. Nope, you, you really don't. don't. Know. You don't know. You don't know. And the beautiful thing about it, Brian, it's not important. Nope. And the kids will tell you that today. It's not important. But, Brian, it only takes a seed to plant in these kids. That's all it takes. Hate will spread like cancer. And these kids, they don't need to be around that. They don't need to hear that. No. They need to hear somebody cares about them. Why do you think the gangs are, are coming back? We have them here in Tallahassee, Florida now. Mm-hmm. Because they're showing love to one another. It's the wrong kind of love, of course. But right. they're showing, uh, uh, they're committed with each other. They're committed to talking and staying close to one another. When the people in the church and the people in the school and the school boards and places like that, they're not accepting these kids. They're just kicking them out on the street. Then mm-hmm. you're coming in disrupting everything that the other kids want to learn, and you're disrupting them. So we think you, you know, we, you're a bad apple. Go to an alternative school. Mm. What type of training do they get in an alternative school? You know, wow. That you know, and the thing that I've that I've seen and I've witnessed when I've visited, you know, alternative schools in the past, is that they're just one step away from juvie. Yes. You know, they treat them as if they're right on the verge of being in juvenile detention. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and a lot of, you know, and when you go into juvenile detention, it's not in, it's nothing rehabilitative about it, you know. Well, I'll take that back. In the ones that I've, that I've experienced, there's nothing rehabilitative about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about preparing them for the next step. And what's the next step out of juvenile? Real jail. <laughs> you know, and the kids will tell you that. They have to assume certain positions, and these positions are not unlike the ones that you assume when you're in prison or when you're in the county. And, you know, by the time these kids, unfortunately, if they do keep that behavior up, get to the county, they already know what to do. They already know how it's done. And, you know, the one thing that that, that keeps ringing in my mind about this situation is that people are losing our children because they're not talking to them. They don't know how to talk to them because they keep thinking that the way to communicate to our kids is the way that they were communicated to. Mm-hmm. I grew up hard. We were in the hard times. You know, times aren't that hard anymore. You don't have to go out there and, and make sure that the cow is milked and the mule is, you know, the mule is set on the plow. And You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't have to make sure. You know, there's so many things. Now, we've gotten so far advanced in our lifestyles that these children don't have to live hard. And we believe that they have to live hard so they'll understand what we went through. And that's not true because, you know, most of us that didn't grow up in the 60s, but, you know, but, but, or we were children of the people who grew up in the 60s, I'm sure we didn't want to have to go through being, you know, sprayed with hoses and beat down for civil rights. No. They experienced that so that we could benefit from what they went through with civil rights. So why would they want us to go back through that? Not saying they don't teach us about it, you know, but, you know, the other thing, Greg, I was thinking about, and I want you to speak on this. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the reason that there's such a large disconnect with our youth is because so many of our youth are having children early and that I mean, those young people aren't able to relate you know, they they aren't able to teach and instill those values because they really haven't learned them yet? I think you can't throw a child in an adult world and think that that child is going to process things like an adult. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. A lot of of times what happens is the parents may have to work two jobs and they're never home. And if there's children there, that older child has to take care of the younger child. So now, you know, that's a lot of responsibility on that child. Or if it's just a single-parent home, we see that all the time, where they have the, the, the role is different. They have to do that to survive. So I, I just think that a lot of times, Brian, and I'm going to say this, uh, some people may not agree with me, I think a lot of the parents that grew up in the 50s and 60s, I think they hold a lot of these kids back because of fear. They're so cautious. Don't do this and don't do that. You're going to get in trouble with the law if you do this, if you do that. And today's kids, they're, they're, they cross those lines. They, they want to know why. They want to know how this is working. Or, or they want to go places that uh, people couldn't go in the 60s. And, and I think a lot of times what happens is a lot of these parents and older people, they, they're stuck in that. And they're not changing with time. Hate is an awful thing. It's an oh, ugly thing, and it happens all the time. And because we, we're so scared 
for our kids to mingle with this race or the other race is so afraid of the kid mingling with this race that they're going to bring their bad sides in and they're going to mix it and it's going to come in my household and I'm not going to have that. Right. You're not going to hang out on this side of town because this is where uh, the, the white kids hang and you know that they're doing drugs or you're not going on the on this side of town where the blacks live, they're playing this music and they're doing this and you're coming home all different times of night being disrespectful and you, you, you're with these girls and you're going to wind up getting someone pregnant or you're doing drugs or doing this type of thing. Right. You, just you know, have to, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, you know, sometimes I don't, I don't think that we as adults give our children enough credit, you know, mm-hmm. because what I've, what I've seen and, it, and, and, and I've witnessed this far too often is that very few adults positively reinforce their children. They I mean it and it's so apparent you can tell because when you give a kid positive reinforcement it's like you can't get rid of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I can recall a kid in particular, very smart kid, he's very talkative. You know, he kind of reminds me of myself when I was young. You know, he's very talkative, very intelligent, you know, and he loves to express himself. You know, he will always express himself. And I start talking to him one day. You know, he asked a couple of questions, and I couldn't, and I can't get rid of it. <laughs> it's not that I'm trying to. It's just that now every time he sees me, he makes sure that I know he's there. You know, he walks in the room, and he looks for me, and he'll say, Hi, Mr. Brian, how you doing? How was your day? I mean, he has this full conversation with me. And, you know, and I enjoy him because... I can see where he's going with it. He's looking for that. What am I look? What's the word I'm looking for? Father for figure. that. For that. No, not necessarily a father figure. He's looking for confirmation. Mm-hmm. And see, so many of our kids look for confirmation from others, and when they don't get it, then they start to shut down. See, they don't get when they don't get that positive reinforcement. It's just like. I'll say like this. It's just like when you like somebody and you ask them for a phone number, ask them to go out on a date with you, and they just shoot you down. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody knows that feeling of being rejected. And see, our youth, we expect our youth to deal with it the way that we dealt with it when we were younger. And, you know, we, we were able to deal with it because we saw it coming, you know. You get shot down, you jump up, you keep going. You know, back then it was like you lived hard, you played hard, you were tough. And, you know, just sad to say our kids aren't built like that anymore. No. And, boy, and the the little girls, they're so smart. Mm -hmm. But this is the thing with the little girls. From doing these shows, Brian, we've talked with so many women that have been raped and molested. It is unreal. Yeah. And how many of these little girls that walk around, we're thinking, oh, she just got a nasty attitude. You don't know what's going on in that house in the, at night. Because mm-hmm. that child is at home does not mean she's safe. Absolutely. Uncle, whatever, whatever. And that's whatever. the same with boys. Yes. Uncle, whatever, whatever, you better watch him. You don't let anybody around your little girl. You don't do that anymore. You can't do that anymore. I don't care if it is family. You just cannot do it. The child is too precious for one mistake. That's they're, they're too precious. 
for that. Mm-hmm. You have to guard these kids with your life because you never know. Because, Brian, this is just the, the, the way that you see things on television, that everything is sex. Everything is sex. And these kids or these women now, Brian, that came on the show and talked about how they were raped and molested, it happened by a family member. Yeah. And the family doesn't even know. You know, they, they held that in all these years. And when you see these kids in school or you see these kids in the detention center or jail, you see these women there, and you want to say, oh, that's just a bad child. You don't know what's on that child's plate. You just don't know. And just like you said, we, you know, the men, a lot of the men are, are, were molested when they were little boys, and it caused them to act a different way. Mm-hmm. You don't know if that child's not eating at home. You don't know any of that, but you want to attack this kid and say, you're just, you're just a bad child. You're acting out. Why don't you straighten up? You know, why don't you take the time to get to know that child? Yeah, you know, that, that, you know why don't you get tougher? And that's the one thing that, that's the knock that I have uh, about certain men when they deal with our young males. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not saying this is, you know, I'm not saying that we don't want our young men to be tough. But it's just that we don't know what mindset we're dealing with when we're dealing with youth. Mm-hmm. You know, you never know what this youth, what this young child may be going through at home, at school, you know. Even at church, you ne- you never know what kind of burdens this child has been, you know, carrying or dealing with, and so you have to be real careful on how you deal with that person or how you address that person. Mm-hmm. You know, I lo- I remember what what was it the uh, Columbine kids, you know, middle class family, you know, mother and father both at home, both loving parents, and what did the little boy do? He killed both of his parents. Because they did not relate to him, they let they figured because they get, they had a lot of money, they lived in this beautiful house, and they were providing for him financially, that everything was okay. Well, what they did not do was provide for him emotionally, and so he had to emotionally act out his feelings. You know, and his feelings were of rage and violence. And the thing about it. Other family members had no clue he felt like this. Why? Because nobody really took the time to communicate with that child. Communication is key. It is It is the key. It is the first thing when you come in contact with someone. What Do you have the communication skills to deal with that child? Somebody has to be an adult. How many times, Brian, have you seen an adult and a kid arguing and fussing and fighting? <laughs> I see it all the time. All the time. You need to be careful the way that you go and approach this child about whatever the issue is. And I'm not saying be afraid of the child. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you have to be smart when you go. You have to have tact. You have to know the child. If you don't know the child, you won't know how to reach him. So I say to anyone, get to know the child. Operate in love when you're dealing with them. Because if you don't, if you don't know how to communicate with that kid, that kid is going to give you all but five seconds and shut you out. And, Brian, when they shut you out, it is almost impossible for you to get back in. Mm -hmm. Because they will label you, 
Oh, he don't know what he's talking about. He don't know what he's talking about. And, and, and another thing, Brian, when we go into jails and we talk with the kids in the detention centers, we have to stay in the area that we know. Right. I've never used drugs. So I can't go in there faking like I used to use drugs. These kids, they'll know it. Mm-hmm. If you've used drugs, a person will know if you use drugs. If you're an alcoholic and used to drink, they know if you did it, if you're talking about it. Yep. So don't go in trying to sugarcoat or trick these kids because you can't do it. They're too smart for that. Yeah. If you grew up on the rich side of town, don't go in there with your hats crossed sideways trying to act like one of them, which a lot of judges and lawyers do all the time, trying to trick these kids. They think they're dumb. They know you didn't grow up on that side of town. They know you're coming in there. It's fake when you come in the door. They know it from the, They know it from junk. So what they do is they don't even open up to you. They just shut you down. Mm-hmm. And when you leave, they talk about you. Or, or, or some of them are even bold enough to tell you, you're wasting your time. But why are you coming in here? Yeah. Don't try to you use know, me for a campaign commercial or whatever. You, you can't do those kids like that. Absolutely. I was just going to say the other thing that, that you have to be mindful of when you're dealing with our youth, when you're asking them questions about them, you know, and parents, you know, y'all may feel uncomfortable with this when I tell you this, but the reality is they're not going to answer anything in front of their mom and daddy. I'm sorry. They're not going to do it. I remember having, uh, I remember doing uh, youth programs and my children were were there and I asked a certain question and they'll say, no, daddy, you know, I can't tell you, you know, I can't answer that question in front of you, you know? And so what I would do is I would make sure that my, and let's, like every now and then, my son would just be straight up and honest, and he'll just say, "Hey, look, this is it. this is what it is." You know, he'll be real honest. But my daughter's like, "Well, no, that's something that we'll have to discuss later." You know, because she <laughs> at times she just feels embarrassed to answer that question in front of everybody and her daddy. You know, but the reality is, these kids tend to open up to you more when they're in a when in it's when it's when they're in an environment that they can control. You know, and I'm not saying that you let the kids control and dictate what what you say, but you have to remember and be mindful of the fact that you're trying to relate and get to know them. So you have to make them feel comfortable. You have to make them feel safe. And if children don't feel safe, just like when adults don't feel safe, they want to get out of there because they don't like not being safe. They don't like not feeling safe. And Brian, you know, another, Brian, you know, if you're seeing... And, oh, wow, look, in the in the chat room, that's exactly what uh, one of our guests said, said we need to create safe forums for them to be real and share. Absolutely. Absolutely. You that's know, key. That's key. And Greg, I, do you remember the time we were at a uh, at a church? I know what you're talking about. Go ahead. Yeah, and uh, we were asking these kids questions, and... The pastor was in there, and some of the parents were in there, and the kids wouldn't answer the questions. Right. You know, they were, like, beating around the bush with it. And so finally we said, we want to get the kids away from the adults. So we took a group of teens and young teens, preteens, and we had them where it was just us and them, and we had them write down their questions on paper. And then we had them all put them in a box so that nobody would know whose question was whose. You know, and some of the boys ask dumb questions, like, how come girls talk on the phone so much? How come girls pop their lips? And how come their flip-flops smack on the ground? You know, stuff like that. 
Well, one little girl said, why do men rape little girls? And you know what had already happened. Yep. And see, when you create these safe forums and these safe havens for these children, and you give them the opportunity to open up and be free from ridicule, because we don't know who asked the question, you know, Mm -hmm. but we explain to them that, you know, they rape little girls and they rape people because it's about power. They want to have power over you. And because they can't overpower a grown-up or an adult, they overpower a child, and that's a coward. Yes. And, Brian, when we, and after we did that, we kept all of the questions that the kids were asking. You could tell the little girl questions from the boys' questions. Absolutely. Because not, not so much because the handwriting was a, a lot better, but, but because how serious the questions they were asking, these are not questions that little girls ask. Right. They These kids have been thrown into an adult world, and the pastor didn't have a clue. Right. So at the end of the program, we showed it to the pastor. Brian, I remember when he got the bag and he started looking at it and reading the questions. He sat down, and he couldn't say anything. Mm-hmm. He didn't even, they didn't even know. Yeah, and, and see, that's the thing. Despite our best efforts, despite our best efforts, sometimes we still don't have a clue with what our children are having to be inflicted by or what they have on their shoulders. You know, I recall a little girl who uh, who committed suicide because she didn't have any friends and there was another little girl who went on MySpace and became her MySpace boyfriend. And then after a couple of months of telling her how he loved her and all this little stuff, the little girl finally revealed that she wasn't a boy, that she was actually a girl, and, you know, called the little girl, the other little girl all kind of horrible names. Well, the little girl committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, she committed suicide. And... Most people were like, well, that little girl was mean. Why did she cause the other little girl to commit suicide? Well, I don't, you see, and, you know, they had this big lawsuit where they want to sue the girl's family and everything. But my thing is, I believe the parents missed the whole point behind that. Their child was hurting, and they didn't have a clue because they didn't effectively communicate with that child. Why was this child trying to find love on MySpace? And Brian, yes, and Brian, I remember after we talked with the kids and the parents said, oh, it's so wonderful how they opened up to you. They came to you and they, they opened themselves. No, it's not. We're really strangers. Wasn't. Absolute we strangers. Kids. We were strangers. And you're opening up to us. You need to be opening up to your parents. You know, and and, and that's the thing that, they're missing. This is going on in your household. You're so busy doing what you're doing, and you think that because that kid is home that everything is okay. You don't know what that child is going through during the day. You don't know what that person is dealing with at school or that school teacher. You don't know what has happened between breakfast and dinner. And, Brian, a lot of times, and it's so sad I'm going to say it, a lot of times, we invite our own worst enemy in our household, mm-hmm. thinking this is our friend. Um, uh, this is my boyfriend. You can spend the night. See, while, while you sleeping, you don't know where he's at. 
or, or you invite this man in and your daughter comes home and it's just him and her there and you're thinking, oh, he's going to do the right thing. And you find out years later he's been sleeping with your daughter too. Now let's be real. It, it, it happens. And, and men, they do the same thing. Women are molesting girls now. This thing is and boys. This thing, this thing is getting out of hand. I'm telling you, the things that you see on television is it, just perverted. It, it's awful. It, it's just awful. But we're bringing these enemies in our own homes. We're doing that. If that's not your husband, and I'm not trying to tell anybody how to live their lives or what to do, but if it's not your husband, don't let him be around your child. Don't do it. You can't do it. I'm telling you, this is too. Your child is too important for anyone to hurt them. And Brian, Absolutely. how many times have we heard uh, the little girl say, "I told my mom that her husband raped me or molested me. I told her when it happened, and the mother ignored the situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is family. This doesn't. This better not leave the house." But the man is still there, and your child, a child has to process this. Mm-hmm. Now they're figuring, what kind of mom do I have? Or what kind of auntie do I have? Or what kind of uncle do I have that would touch me like this? And I can't get any help. And all I'm told to do is shut my mouth. Don't say anything. He'll go to jail. Then we won't have anybody. Mm. You know, I mean, and the, and the thing is, what's so sad about it is that You've heard the story before. And for every story that you've heard, there's like ten that you haven't. And the ones that you haven't heard are your friends that you talk to all the time. Mm-hmm. You've seen these little girls, you said, something's wrong with that child. Some, something is wrong. Why is that little girl so fast? Or well, why is she so quiet? Be- because she learned early. Why is that little boy such a, a womanizer? Well, maybe because he learned early. Brian, do you remember we, we had Stephanie L. Jones on? She's a wonderful, mm-hmm. great, best-selling author. She wrote yes. the book, uh, The Enemy Between My Legs. Mm-hmm. Powerful, powerful book. She was so transparent, and she said that when she was a little girl, a child now, she used to look forward to her uncles molesting her. Mm-hmm. Because she used she they did it so much until she started liking it and enjoying it. She said she enjoyed it. A child. But it happened just that often. And now you know. And I can recall her saying she used to sometimes set them up. When she knew they were there, she'd just come right in the room and lay down next to them. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, wow, this is what we've reduced our children to, because. We effectively, I mean, and this sounds kind of robotic when I say, but we program our children. That's what we do as adults. We program our children. We give them all the stuff they need, and then we wait for them to compute it. And sometimes they program, they compute it out, and it's right, and sometimes they compute it out, and it's wrong. You know, but the reality behind it is that so many people wonder, why do our kids do this? Why do they, you know, I'm reading in the chat room, it says, then we can't figure out why kids kill themselves or someone else. Well, yeah, we can pretty much figure it out. All you have to do is, is go back and look at the track record. Did you spend time with that child? Did you 
properly communicate with that child? How many times did you tell that child that you love them? How many times did you see about them when they were having an issue? Could you recognize when they had an issue? You know, one thing that I've been doing with my kids, I mean, ever since they were little, and it was something that was just, you know, it started out because I just I just have a love for kids, and I love my own children. And so this is what I would do with them. Every day when I picked them up from school, I said, how was your day? Tell me about it. Tell me what you did. Tell me how much fun you had. Did you get in trouble? You know, this is what I was doing with my kids every single day. Now so much that I don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. They come home in their program. I call it the daily download because that's what they'll do. They'll tell me what happened. You know, now that the the, the older kids are in middle school, they don't tell me as much, but they let me know what's going on. But right. usually they're telling on each other. <laughs> you know, but the reality is they still talk to me. They still yeah. talk to me. And that's yeah. the thing that we have to do. We have to start communicating with our youth. It doesn't have to be your child. And you know, when I'm at church, I communicate with probably about 40 to 50 kids every week at church. You know, and some of them are as old as teenagers and in high school, and some of them are as little as, you know, arm babies that barely can understand what I'm talking about. But I communicate with them. I see how they're doing. I have this thing now, and Greg, you know about this, about the strawberries. You know, the kids always, I ate your strawberries. I ate your strawberries. And it all started because I was messing with the pastor's son, who when he had turned three years old, they, someone had given him a big bushel of strawberries. And I told him those were my strawberries and that I was going to eat them. And he said, no, I'm eating them, you know. And we went back and forth. And now every little kid in that church, if they've seen me more than once, they know about the strawberries. Mm-hmm. And when I walk by, they don't even know my name, but they know about the strawberries. And sometimes I have kids come up I ain't never seen before. And they say, I ate your strawberries. Ha, ha, ha. I'm like, mm-hmm. Okay, you know, who are you? What's your name? You know, but the kids all know me, and it's because I communicate with them. What I do with my little girl, and I think every man needs to do this with not just your daughter, but if you're working with little girls out there, let them know that they're beautiful. Let them know that they have worth. Let them know that they have value. Let them know that... They can do anything. Everything I tell my daughter, the first, the, I mean, the last thing I tell her when I walk out the door, do your best. That's all I require of you. Do your best. And everything else that you can't do, God will do that. He'll take over that. But I want you to give me your best. Give your best so you can feel feel good about yourself. Not so much to, to show me what you can do, but I want you to feel good about yourself. And if, and, and if we speak positive things in our, into their lives as children, it'll carry over. It'll take root. The word says faith comes from hearing and hearing and hearing. If you continue telling your child every single day, you can do this, you're better than this, I don't accept this, you're better than this. Come on, let's straighten this out. You're better than this. If you do that all the time, I guarantee it's going to take root. And any negative thing that's coming out there, Brian, that's going to be pushed to the side because as a child, they'll grow up knowing that they can do this. I, you, you, you deserve more. I know that you could do this. 
okay, this is a bad grade, okay, I don't accept that. I don't accept that yeah. from you. And, and you're not that it's not that you're pushing them, it's it's the fact that you're getting them to believe in themselves because right. mom and daddy's not gonna be there all the time. You're gonna be in a position where you're gonna have to make a decision. And that's when that foundation that you've built for that child will will take root. And that's what they're gonna pull from. A child is only gonna do what he knows. So Brian, right. if if you have your child raised in a in, in a in a good foundation uh, based on uh, what the Bible says, and you have a, a, a kid that's raised um, the opposite of just everything that you're teaching, when something happens, that's what that child is going to pull from. That's how he's going to react. If, if if your daughter was taught the right way, Brian, when something happens, she's going to do the right thing because that's what she knows. So right. that child that was raised in the wrong, raised by the wrong principles, so when something happens, it's going to show Oh, yeah. It will show. And, and you ask them, why in the world are you doing this? Well, this is how my mama responds. Well, I'm going to call your mom call her. She's not going to come up here. She don't care. If you call my mom, she's going to cuss you out. <laughs> how many times have we heard that one? Yeah. Well, you call if you call my mom, she's going to tell you you're wasting her time, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever. They don't care. My mom don't care. They'll tell you that in a heartbeat. My mom don't care. My dad don't care. What you, you wasting your time calling? Call them. I want you to call them. I want to hear how they cuss you out for calling them. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and, and you know what's so crazy about that? And I'll say it again. You've heard this all before. You've heard this story before. This isn't something that we're just making up or coming up with. You've heard this before. You know, all of our listeners, I'm sure if you haven't heard this before, you haven't been listening. Because... I've heard this before, and it wasn't because I work around kids. It's because I know people, and people tell you, yeah, you know, don't talk to my kids like that, even though your kids, you know, so our kids sometimes could be some of the worst kids on the planet, mine included, mine included. I don't ever exclude my own children. You know, despite our best efforts, sometimes our kids get sassy at the mouth. Sometimes they get unruly. Sometimes they get disrespectful, but they understand and know, you know, when you teach them, if you give them enough values, they'll come through. And that's, that's really what's key. If you show them the type of love that they deserve, you won't have a problem when things get rough. Because they'll understand, i got to go back to the source that I was getting, you know, whatever I was getting from that source, i got to go back there. You know? And I think... The the biggest problem also when we deal with our youth is that we don't and Greg you go I know you're gonna agree we don't have enough men men not males men teaching our children we don't have enough men and this is not a knock on women this is not a knock on women don't get me wrong. We don't have enough men, not just teaching, but being examples. See, when my daughter sees men, they compare those men to me. And they say, is that man like my daddy? He's not like my daddy. Something's not right. When my son sees a man, he says, does that man act like my daddy? Oh, no, he ain't right. 
And see, too often when our youth see other men, they relate them to the men in their lives. And so if those men in their lives aren't real men, if they just males, <laughs> like I like it, if they just males, they're done. Those kids are done because they're going to look at that male and say, look at him. He's a male. Look at him chase that woman. That's what I was supposed to do. That makes me a man. Instead of saying, no, that makes you a male. See, a real man wouldn't have to chase a woman because a real man attracts real women. A real man attracts any woman, you know, because all women want real men. You know, nobody wants a fake man. Believe that. You know, and so if we would just become, if we would have more men or more males become real men and become examples, hey, I think we do a lot better than what we're doing now because, you know, like I said, this is not a knock on women, but you see the results of women having to raise these men by themselves, you know, there's only so much a woman can teach a man. Brian, I think what we need to do is I think as men we need more communication. We need to meet more. Uh, with a woman, uh, if something happens in a woman's life or she's going through something, she's calling her girlfriend. Men, we don't do that. We don't pick up the phone and call and say, well, Brian, you know, I'm going through this. I need, I need, we need to sit down and talk. Uh, Brian might say, "Wait, you want to do what with me? Are, are you are you are you being soft? What's going on with you? You you need to you need to man up and deal with it. Okay, he don't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. He may not know how to deal with the issue. And I think as men, we need to be a little bit more transparent to say that I've gone, I've been there, brother. I, this is what I did, and this is what you need to do." Uh, we have a lot of right now the the, the rate for divorce is sky high. It's sky mm-hmm. high, and men that have been there they need to talk with the younger brothers that going through it. You you know when a man is going through it with his wife or his, his whatever, you need to sit him down and talk to him and say, listen, this is what I did, and and this is what hurt me. This is what I learned from my mistakes. I see you going through this. And the way that you're dealing with it is not the right way. Right. Well, uh, I, I, my, my dad told me when a woman do this, well, no, 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 no. We're not talking about what your dad told you. Where is that? Where is that Bible? Everything you need is right there. And Brian, that's something that we don't do. We don't sit down and break bread enough with each other. Now, sometimes we'll only talk about the Bible to um, to, to the guys that we know that are in the church. Well, a lot of times those aren't the guys that really need that. We all need it, but they may not need that type of conversation. We need to be bold enough to go out to the streets and tell the brothers, listen, this is not the way you're going to do it. You're going to have to pay for this. You may you may not go to jail tonight. Your wife may not divorce you tomorrow, but at some point what you're doing is going to catch up with you, and it's going it, it's gonna to explode like a bomb. Can you deal with it? How will you deal with it when it blows up in your face? See, Brian, the only, the only true goal and the only true plan that we have when we're out in the streets doing bad things, we don't have a backup plan for when things go sour. Only thing we're looking at is the, the, that, that feeling, that good feeling, and that's all we have on our minds, and that's, that's all that's important. <laughs> now, what's, what's you going to do when you take a disease home to your wife, like HIV? 
What you gonna do? You can't erase that. You can't. You just can't take something that's gone. That's two lives destroyed mm-hmm. because of a knucklehead decision. And that woman may be giving you everything you want at home, yep. but because you've seen it out there, and you figure it never, you can never get enough. And Brian, you and I know the flesh. You can never satisfy the flesh. I don't mm-hmm. care how many men a woman sleeps with. If that's on her mind, that flesh is never fed. I don't care what she does. It's never fed. Whatever that thing is, you can never satisfy it. It'll lay dormant sometimes, and it'll kick right back in, and you're right back out there doing the same things that you were doing. Yes, sir. You know, I can't disagree with anything you said, I tell you. you know, And that's why it's so important that we Talk to our youth about these types of things. We have to. We we can't afford not to. And that's what most people don't realize. We can't afford not to. We have to keep it in their ear. We have to keep it in their ear. That's right. You know, because if we don't, what are they going to do when they run across it? They won't have a clue what to do. They'll be completely stuck, you know, and out of it. And then we'll say, well, why didn't you do this? They'll say, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. I didn't know how to do that. Well, why didn't you learn how to do it? Nobody was there to teach me. Mm. I mean, you know how many how many youth that, I, that Greg and I run across? Or, I mean, just in general, you know how many youth that, we, that I run across? You know, personally, that when you ask them a question and they can't answer it, I'll say, well, that's something that everybody should know. And they'll say, well, nobody told me. I'll throw this back out there, too. A lot of times when when you don't read the Bible and when you finally pick up the Bible and you start reading, you say, oh, that's all I had to do? Yep. Man, I've been out there suffering all this time, and all I had to do was call him, just say his name, mm-hmm. and the situation changes. It's the lack of knowledge is what's hurting a lot of us. Not knowing, if we knew the real power, we would use it. Yeah. But a lot of times people don't want to read. They don't want to know. They don't. They they think that the way that they they are that they can handle it. But Brian, I'm gonna let you close the show out. You know, Greg, this is this particular issue, and we're going to keep on talking about this issue because I this is something that's just near and dear to my heart. It's something that I think is just such a needed thing, you know, and when I'm saying that, I mean communicating with our youth. It's something that we need because they represent the future of our generation. And right now, when you look at it, we ain't doing so good. Teen pregnancy is on the rise. Even though it, they said it's going down, I mean, going down as opposed to what? To the all-time highs that they set in the past? Yes, it may be going down, but that's because the children are saying, well, I ain't getting pregnant, I'll have an abortion. You know, or I ain't getting pregnant, I'll use contraception. And, you know, the thing is, we don't want them getting pregnant at all. We don't want them having sex. But we're not telling them the other options they have. See, I remember talking to groups, and they'll say, well, ain't nothing to do. They don't have a teen center here. We can't do nothing. We can't hang out at the park. They run us away. So there's nothing else to do but sit at the house. 
we have to, we have to, we have to begin to communicate with our youth, find out what they need, give them the opportunities to make better choices, give them the opportunities to make better decisions. Because if we leave them to make all their own decisions without any information, I believe it's the Bible that says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. I'm paraphrasing, of course. You know, it's absolutely true. So people, educators, youth coordinators, general folks, everybody, communicate with the youth. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We'll see you again on Wednesday night, 9 p.m. We thank you, good evening, and God bless you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.